0: TNT Audio Publishing presents The Carl Dark Cruiser Saga Chronicles by T.L. Dornstar. Written and Read by T.L. Dornstar. Book 1.0 The Universe Code. Chapter 15. Mostly Fighting. Olive sprang forward with the speed and skill of a ferocious lazcat, arcing her long and powerful leg in a sweeping roundhouse kick that missed her opponent's terrified face by mere millimeters. Felicity felt the breeze of the assassin's large bare foot, whip past her nose and ducked down, preparing to counter with a punch to the right knee. But Olive leapt into a spinning forward flip and sailed over Felicity's amazed head like a big deadly butterfly and landed behind the other fighter, where she delivered a breathtaking kick square to the journalist's back, sending her flying through the air and smashing down in a crumpled face-down mess on the grassy ground several metres away. Felicity could just make out the muffled cheers of the crowd through the severe ringing in her ears as she struggled, winded, to her feet.
1: "'Gods, I've been hit with armour drains with less gloat than that,'
0: she thought. <gasps> Clutching her ribs, she touched her cloned hand to her mouth and it came back into her vision with blood on it. She waved it like a maniac to Olive and shouted, it's
2: first blood to you, Ollie.' "'Please do not make this harder than it needs to be,'
0: "'Olive replied professionally.
1: "'You know who you're talking to, right?'
0: She replied, and charged at Olive with all the speed her winded and already bruising body could muster. Cabinet stood perfectly still, as her former student and former lover ran towards her with her right fist cartoonishly winding up for a powerful blow. Felicity's flailing fist resolved into a momentum-powered forward lurch as she moved in close towards Cabinet's calm face. With a simple and elegant movement of her arm, Olive swiped away the punch and was lining up a counterblow to the stomach when she got a face full of grass complete with a colony of Elthenican spider beetles jettisoned from Phobos's other hand. Phil seized the opportunity that her plant and insect allies had presented her and kneed her would-be executioner really, really hard right between her legs. For a second, Olive doubled up in pain before coughing a clack right round the face courtesy of one of Phobos's famously massive hands. The amassed Elthinicans booed and hissed at the prisoners' dirty tactics, and Carl let out a whispered, Yes! Yes! and did a silent fist pump to himself. Felicity quickly repositioned herself behind Olive and grabbed her trademark ponytail and yanked on it with the force and enthusiasm of a first time magnet fisher, hoping to force her backwards and down onto the hard ground at their feet. But Cabinet stood completely unmoved by the classic playground tactic.
2: That is enough!
0: Felicity suddenly felt an iron grip grip her wrist and clamp down with the force of an industrial strength gravity smasher. She fought with as much might as she could muster, but she was no match for the assassin's incredible strength, and she screamed a bone-shaking scream as the sickening, splintering sound filled her ears. She felt her wrist shatter in a searing flash of pure agony and she was suddenly thrown clear by an expertly-executed reverse Tarek car flip The throbbing pain in her wrist was suddenly and violently put out of her mind as she received several immense body blows. Her kidneys, liver, and spleen took a top-level battering and immediately threw in the proverbial towel. Phil hunched over, grasping and gasping. The crowd was chanting for death. They were hungry for blasphemer blood. Olive turned away from her and raised a hand in an attempt to silence the crowd. But her stately authority had no effect this time, and the Elfinicans continued to scream, chant and completely lose their shit. She turned to Mungo Penfold, who watched from the tree stump pulpit. He nodded solemnly. It was a nod that meant she had better end it quick or risk having the crowd turn against her. As Cabinet turned back round to face Felicity, she got a face full of sequins as Phobos lobbed one of her ostentatious but sensible shoes right into the middle of her noble face. Once the flash of gold had retreated from her vision, Olive saw a one-shoed Phobos making a daring lopsided dash for one of the huge standing stones at the edge of the arena. After what seemed like the longest journey of her life across the exposed plain, Phil rolled and tucked in behind the stone monolith. The ancient rock was cool against her sweaty back as she gasped to catch her breath. Phil tore off a section of sleeve from her blouse and frantically looked around for something with which to make a makeshift splint from. She felt something hit her lightly in the back of the head and turned to see an angry Elthinican making obscene hand gestures with all four of her hands. She picked up the object that had been thrown at her from the furious alien. It was a roughly 37 centimeter rigid twig which the angry crowd member had used to fashion a finger on her expertly rendered homemade effigy of felicity. The journalist's dishonourable tactics had clearly enraged the small blue spectator so much that when Phil had come into range, she'd started snapping bits off the monstrous likeness and pelting her with them. Phil received nine other small impacts from her remaining wooden fingers and waved at the stick-thrower.
2: You
1: stick with me, kid, and you'll throw far. She
0: thought but didn't say out loud for fear of giving away her hiding spot, and also because it was truly one of the worst pieces of wordplay in galactic history. She assessed the pile of twigs scattered around her and bound the sturdiest-looking one around her shattered wrist with the torn strip of genuine silk fabric and removed her one remaining shoe.
1: (laughs) time for the old switcher shoe.
0: She mentally quipped. Maybe it was the all encompassing threat of imminent death, or the massive amount of adrenaline flowing through her veins that had ignited her neural pun pathways. Whatever it was, they were currently firing on all cylinders. Olive calmly walked over to the edge of the arena and stopped a few metres away from the huge standing pillar. She scanned her environment like an environmental scanner, and her eye caught a glimpse of shining gold poking out from the left side of the monument. The mob was getting restless, and Mungo Penfold did his best to distract them with a dazzling display of traditional Elthinican dance juggling, but it did little to dissuade their raging bloodlust. Olive moved slowly in a crouch formation towards the standing stone, carefully flanking the rock and coming out from the opposite side from where she had seen the shiny shoe from. She suddenly leapt out into the area behind the monolith, her leg raised in the fatal Chak-Ut-Ra kick-fighting stance. But her prey was nowhere to be seen. All she saw was a collection of sticks propped up against the age-old rock. They had been haphazardly arranged into the shape of a crude arrow which was pointing upwards. Olive took the bait beautifully and tracked the path of the arrow up into the bright morning sky. Suddenly, from the top of the next stone along the great triangle, she heard a bloodthirsty battle cry. And half a second later, she became an unwilling piggyback provider as an award-winning journalist wrapped her legs tightly around her waist and began to pummel her head and spine with a meaty fist.
2: Well played, my dear Felicity,
0: Olive said proudly.
2: I see you are paying attention during my training sessions after all.
0: Phobos, who was amazed and impressed that Cabinet could maintain such a calm tone of voice in the heat of battle, continued to rain down ineffective wallops onto her former instructor, former lover and current on and off again friend. She was considering deploying one of her infamous wet willies when she felt the powerful hands of the assassin grip her calves in a turbo vice-like grip and fling them apart sending her flailing backwards onto the hard ground below as the crowd let out a huge roar of delight. Within nanoseconds, the full force of Olive's hot foot was pressing down on the side of her neck, pinning her to the ground. Carl struggled forward, but was held firmly in place by the eight arms of his two captors.
2: You should be proud of yourself,
0: Olive uttered, as she pressed down even harder on her victim's neck.
2: You have lasted far longer than most I have faced in this arena. I wish it did not have to end this way, Phil. I truly do. But for the sake of all creation, the cone
0: must be protected. She whipped her foot back into position, ready for the neck-breaking kick that was about to end Felicity Phobos' life.
2: I am sorry, Felicity. I promise it will be quick.
0: Felicity attempted an escape roll, but found no breath left in her body to fuel the maneuver. She tried to scream unrepeatable obscenities at her would-be murderess, but this too was beyond her battered body. A devastating glare would have to do the job. Scowling with all her might, she looked up to see the bright morning shine blotted out by the huge wedge-shaped starship that appeared seemingly from nowhere in a shimmering wave. Its looming shadow plunged the entire arena and the edges of the forest around it into a muted darkness. Olive looked up towards the hovering craft and was blasted in the chest by a searing red beam. The crowd fell deathly silent and it seemed like an age before the chaos began. At the edge of the arena, Carl broke free of his captors and swiveled his head upwards to see the enormous jet black vessel jettisoned thousands of unmanned microfighters from its port and starboard side attack apertures. Etched into the glossy black surface of each of the squadron of attack drones was the bright red insignia of the inverted cone. He screamed, Get down! and legged it for the cover of the nearby forest. The fighters opened fire on the crowd and within seconds loads of them were dead because they'd been sliced to ribbons by the sweeping arcs of deadly scarlet laser beams. Sickening piles of scorched blue flesh crumpled to the ground in a big, disgusting mess. Carl desperately darted his eye up at Felicity, who was struggling to drag Olive out of the line of fire and behind one of the great stone pillars that marked the borders of the revered battleground. He scrambled across the open expanse towards the two women, ducking, weaving, and falling over more than a few times before bending down to grab Cabinet's arm and assist in the dragging. As the sudden and unrelenting aerial assault continued unabated, The high priestess was propped up against the relative safety of the mossy column. Across the clearing and atop the ceremonial tree stump, Mungo Penfold quickly ended his dance-juggling display with a small bow and lifted his staff high into the laser-filled air. He chanted. An oscillating crackle of orange energy shot out of the tip of Mungo's staff and travelled high into the air. The beam flattened and widened into a great glowing plate before it bent and curved down to form a big blue dome around the burning battleground. Beams bounced off the shimmering blue shield as Mungo blasted the remaining fighters that had been caught inside the protective barrier with crackling blasts of ultraviolet energy from his mysterious floating wooden orb. But the mothership's supply of attack drones seemed near infinite, and wave after wave swarmed out of the dark wedge in the sky and kamikazed themselves against the force field. Felicity held Olive in her arms as the mighty warrior clasped her chest and gasped for air. The
2: How did they find us?
0: Cabinet struggled to say as blood pooled in her mouth. Damn it. Dwarfstar must have sent an emergency signal when I reactivated her
2: should have known this would be your fault (coughs) but it matters not now you must what is it
0: asked Carl and Felicity almost simultaneously
2: the cone they know It, it cannot fall into their hands the fate of the galaxy depends on it
0: where is it, Olive? Yeah. Again, both slightly more in sync this time.
2: Been a fool. Should have casted them thing into a black hole cycles ago. <laughs> Come on, goddammit, stay with me!
0: cried Carl. The muffled sound of the microfighters exploding against the shield high above them was drowned out by the low, dull rumble of the Colt Starship's main dark matter reactor capacitor cycling up in preparation to fire the craft's main neutron cannon. Phil looked up to see a triangular hatch slide open in the underbelly of the hovering battlecruiser. She excavated a long closed-off tunnel in her brain that housed her knowledge of Colt Armada battleship classifications. Judging by the total lack of markings, jet black hull, and its sudden materialization, she determined that the deadly craft was a stealth neutron extraction armored cruiser, or sneak ship. The cult had been rumoured to be researching a cloaking contraption around the time that Phil fled the homeworld, but it was widely believed among the techno-elders that the technology was hundreds if not thousands of cycles of development away. In the intervening years since her escape, the cult membership enrollment division had clearly been working overtime to recruit the galaxy's top scientific minds, a worrying sign that they were growing in power and influence. Not only did the sneak ship appear to have fully operational cloaking capacity, but judging by the huge barrel emerging from the underbelly of the cruiser, it was packing some serious heat too.
1: We need to get the hells out of here right now,
0: Felicity said, returning her eyes to the critically injured Olive.
1: Dark cruiser, help me get her back to the ship.
0: Carl obeyed and attempted to stabilize Cabinet's wound with some moss. Olive gently yet powerfully pushed his hand away. It's...
2: It's it's too late for me. We're not leaving you here, Ollie. You must take the cone.
0: Carl took another look at the laser wound in Olive's chest. It would have straight up killed anyone else, but Cabinet was without a doubt the toughest son of a bitch he'd ever known, and he'd once sat next to Rick Rock on a transport ship. He had no idea how the master assassin was still breathing, let alone talking. He conducted a final visual assessment of the injury and winced. He shot a compassionate glance at Felicity and laid his rough hand on hers as she struggled to get Olive to her feet. Flora, stop. She's not going to make it, he said solemnly. Mungo's penfold staff hand started to tremor and shake as the unknowable well from which he was drawing the energy to power the shield began to run dry. The integrity of the dome was weakening, and cracks in the shimmering blue energy field were starting to appear as the microfighters continued their suicidal attacks and the mothership's cannon slid into position. That thing's ready to fire! The cone olive, please, where is it? asked Carl frantically. The assassin and high priestess placed her delicate but deadly hand over her heart and tapped gently. In here! Carl and Phil looked at each other with matching looks of confusion and bewilderment.
2: They'll never stop. It, it must be destroyed.
0: Her once powerful voice faded into a thin whisper. And with her dying breaths, Olive Cabinet turned to Mungo Penfold. He sensed his high priestess's gaze and turned to meet it. The moment every guardian of the Talik Kalik Zokkafar prayed never came was upon him and beneath his hood, a single tear flowed from his nose-eye and dropped into his flame-red beard, which was undeniably touching, but also absolutely disgusting to look at. He stabbed his staff into the scorched tree stump and used his upper two arms to lower his ceremonial hood, revealing a blindingly shiny bald head. With a slow but determined sweep of his lower left arm, he raised a small, pulsating ball of purple energy to his chest.
2: High priestess!
0: He shouted across the deafening din of the nearly fully charged neutron cannon high above them. Whom do you name as Guardian? Olive lifted a blood-stained arm and pointed at Carl. There is the bald alien shouted back. Carl's face contorted into an image of sheer shock, as for the first time in all the cycles he'd known Olive, she laughed. <laughs> Thank you, Matriarch. It is an honor. And you have my word it will be destroyed. As your
2: matriarch, the word of Kyla is meaningless.
0: Olive said softly.
2: But as a friend, thank you, Carl.
0: Felicity took the still-dying assassin's other hand and also whispered.
1: Hey, uh, not for nothing, but why him?
0: Asked Felicity, successfully ruining the solemn and powerful moments. Olive beckoned her close and whispered something in her ear. Phil unsuccessfully suppressed a full-on cackle, resulting in a deeply (laughs) concerned side-eye from Carl. Oh, gods. That's great. It is time. Olive struggled to say. Then so be it, I suppose. Announced the now hoodless Mungo Penfold. Farewell, my lady. He bowed his head and the ball of purple energy shot across the field at ridiculous speed before plunging into Olive's chest. She began to radiate a glowing light as she felt herself lifting off the ground. Carl and Felicity gently let go of her hands and she began to float calmly in the air, her long hair flowing in a way that reminded Carl of how beautiful she'd looked in that zero-gravity chamber all those cycles ago. Her eyes shone with bright purple light, She was smiling. The holes in the shield around them widened, and deadly beams broke through, slicing one of the ancient stone pillars clean in half, sending it toppling to the ground with a thundering thud. The air-bound and glowy olive cabinet reached inside her chest, as effortlessly as if she were made of discoloured purple water, and closed her fist around her heart. She held there for a moment or two, and looked deep into Carl and Felicity's three eyes. Was that a tear they saw? Impossible. With her final breath, she retracted her arm and opened her palm. A blazing light, brighter than the hot glow of a thousand suns, burst forth from her hand and a great wave of cosmic energy exploded in a big whoosh. It engulfed everything in its path. Easily ripping free of the shimmering blue shield, and in an instant it appeared as if the morning sky was filled with the pinpoint lights of a thousand new stars as the microfighters were atomically unmade in a scattered splatter of brilliant, colorless explosions. The sneak ship unleashed the full power of its powerful cannon, and a thundering spiral of planet killing terror sped towards the surface. Carl and Felicity instinctively ducked down knowing it would do nothing to save them. But the roaring screech of the weapon ceased, and the burning beam's progress was stopped in its tracks. Carl looked up to see the brilliant form of olive cabinet, her body now almost entirely made of light, holding up a hand that held the deadly beam in place. In a typically elegant movement, she effortlessly flicked the beam back up where it came from, and a split second later, a cult ship cracked and wheezed, as its matte black hole began to vibrate and luminous cracks snaked their way across the huge, dark mass. The vast starship groaned and shuddered as it folded in on itself like one of those folding paper things with numbers on it that you used to do in school. Suddenly, all was quiet, and Olive fell to the ground. Her body fragmented and dissolved into glowing particles of glowing particle energy that floated away gently on the soft morning breeze. Carl and Felicity stood breathless, confused, and alone. In the place where, just moments ago, Olive had lay dying, there was nothing. Nothing but a small, shiny object. Its chrome surface reflected the deadened, smoke-choked morning suns so much that Karl could see his own distorted face in it as he cautiously approached. God's eye lot rough, he thought, seeming not to fully grasp the dramatic importance of the moment. The thing did not rest on the scorched grass, but hovered a few centimetres above it. It was anticlimactically small, measuring approximately three standard centimetres in height and half that in diameter. Karl Dark Cruiser knelt, positioned his big hands into a scoop, and reached for the object. The cone-shaped object. He stood and turned to Felicity. They looked at each other in stunned silence. Now that the moment they had fought so hard to arrive at was here, neither of them really knew what to do with it. Karl felt no sense of relief, experienced no life-changing revelation, As he placed the galaxy's, nay, the universe's, most powerful artifact into the most secure of his many, many belt-based pockets, his only thought was, Hmm, it's heavier than it looks. He was in no way equipped to process what he had just seen, and he looked over to Phil, who it seemed was in the same boat. For once, the reporter kept her mouth shut. He silently thanked the gods he didn't believe in for the small mercy. For a while, there was an almost silence. Nothing but the near-soundless swish of ash on light wind. You hungry? He finally asked Felicity in his famously gruff voice. starving. She replied. He recovered his equipment from what was left of the Althinacan Guards and tapped in his current position into the Verge Core Remote Pickup Unit. After a few moments, the small cracked display screen chirped and a flashing green light indicated that Starhol had received his location data and had initiated the autopilot retrieval procedure. Three to four star Star-Mins later, the floating ash that was all that remained of the once proud guardians of the Tali Kalikup fire was whipped into a spiral frenzy as the dampening thrusters of a Type 65 Verge Corps cruise fighter named Starhol sprayed steaming jets of cooling vapor as her landing gear touched down on the planet's surface and her ramp descended. Carl and Felicity climbed aboard, and headed straight for the kitchenette-slash-breakout area. Carl plonked the mystical and unknowable artifact onto a white-clean plastoform counter as he prepared a simple meal of dehydrated hyperprotein pills washed down with NutraShake Supplement 123A. The pair couldn't take their eyes off the all-powerful weapon as they guzzled down the disgusting provisions.
1: You know what the worst part of all this nonsense is?
0: That Olive died and all those people exploded? Nope.
1: It's that my mother was right.
0: After what could be generously described as dinner, they made their way through the labyrinthine corridor systems of the ship and settled down into the cockpit to prepare for departure. As the ship's preliminary takeoff systems ran through the initial startup procedures, Carl removed the cone from his belt and started poking the pointy end withdrawing his finger away from the biting sharpness, but learning nothing from it and repeating the process three or four more times. Phil watched him incredulously, then decided to run a little experiment. Hey, Carl. She started with a rare usage of his actual name.
1: That ridiculous voice of yours. You put that on, right?
0: Sure do. I think it makes me sound cool and tough.
1: (laughs) Wow, that thing really works, huh?
0: She said and smacked him on his big arm excitedly.
1: I have so... Many questions.
0: Carl coughed and growled in an attempt to regain the required grit in his throat to pointlessly switch back to the gravelly baritone.
1: Carl Dark Cruiser, you are officially the most powerful being in the universe. What you going to do with it?
0: Asked Phil as Carl fiddled with and poked at the universe cone. I intend to keep my promise to Olive and destroy this blasted thing, he said. Any ideas how?
1: Well... Olive said something about throwing it into a black hole. That'd be worth a shot, I reckon. What about clearing your name, though?
0: Doesn't seem important now. Not after what we saw it can do. But I guess it couldn't hurt to give it a try before we get rid of this thing. You got any idea how it works?
1: Hey, don't look at me, Slim. Until about ten starmens ago, I didn't even think that shiny little son of a bitch was real.
0: Carl held the cone aloft ceremonially. He didn't really know why, but the Eon's old artifact didn't exactly come with an instructional holovid, and it seemed like a good idea at the time. I did not kill Dank Starhole. Nothing happened. The cone looked back at him indifferently, and in the highly polished surface he saw a dark shape appear from behind him. Karl Darkruiser heard a deep and familiar voice. Of course you didn't, my dear, said the voice. Because I never died. <laughs> The Carl Dark Cruiser Saga Chronicles is a production of Dawnstar Audio, written and read by T.L. Dawnstar. The voice of Carl Dark Cruiser is T.L. Dawnstar. Felicity Phobos is Theodora C. Sinclair. And Olive Cabinet was played by Ginger Johnson. Get in touch via electronic mail using the address tldawnstar at gmail.com or via Twitter at tl underscore. Dawnstar Next chapter The final chapter